0: Monday, December 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill, joining me in studio from Motley Fool Rule Breakers and Supernova, David Kretzman. Good to see you. Good to see you, Chris. It is the last week of December, but we are already looking ahead to the first week of January when more than 150,000 people are going to head to Las Vegas for CES, the Consumer Electronics Show, the biggest consumer technology trade show in the world you're one of the big, we got a bunch of people going big group yeah big group of fools going you're going to be there with the supernova team let's talk about some of the things that you're looking forward to and then once it's over let's get you back in the studio and and get a report on on how things panned out but i mean if you're interested in anything related to technology, the CES is just all you have to do is just click around the the CES website and look at all the different things, all the different industries that are on display. We're not going to go through all of them, but let's let's pick a couple. It's and overwhelming. <laughs> it, it it certainly can be. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're if you're an investor and you're and you're thinking, oh, I'm really interested in the Internet of Things. Okay. Which direction would you like to go? Do you want to go in the connected homes direction? Do you want to go in the wearables direction? You know, there it can be overwhelming. Yep. Let's let's back off from IoT for a second. Let's talk virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Um, again, there are a lot of ways this could play out and there are a lot of ramifications, but I think anyone who has ever tried Oculus Rift VR, you know the the equipment that we tried on when we went to visit Valve out in uh, Bellevue, Washington, and it was just mind blowing. But first and foremost, you're thinking gaming.
1: the The implications for the gaming industry are staggering. Yeah, you would think that's most likely where it's going to take root. But certainly, the the implications of virtual reality. I mean, it's it's far reaching for a lot of different industries, but. I mean, you can't really think of a more interactive digital game than virtual reality, where you are in these worlds. You're able to look around, you know, 360 panorama. It feels like you're running. You're in the action. It'll be interesting to see which uh, how content is created for virtual reality devices. Once Facebook releases the Oculus, that's scheduled for 2016. That'll awfully. That that'll certainly be. Uh, a big player in, in virtual reality and helping virtual reality become more mainstream. So it'll be interesting to see companies like Take Two or Activision Blizzard, these video game companies traditionally, how they're able to translate their core franchises, say, you know, Call of Duty or 2K Sports to virtual reality. Or do you need completely new developers for virtual reality? But certainly you you would think the opportunity for gaming in virtual reality is huge. It certainly seems like a huge opportunity. It also seems like, particularly for the gamers,
0: since every—I mean, you can, you can look at virtual reality, and it's not hard. You spend a few minutes, and you start thinking, well, what would this mean for education? If instead of flipping through a textbook, you got to put on one of these headsets, and instead of reading about astronomy, you're in outer space, and Mm -hmm. you're—you know—you get to examine stars, planets, etc. Great opportunity for gaming. I don't envy. Activision Blizzard and Take Two Interactive, and any of those gaming companies, because I also feel like the pressure on them is massive. That, fairly or unfairly, I think it's okay for investors to look at game stocks and say, here is potentially a brand new golden goose. And if you mess this up, then what are we even talking about?
1: Yeah, video game companies have. you know they're they're in an interesting position right now because they've already dealt with that transition from PC to consoles or you know PC and consoles have been their core business for a long time now they're dealing with mobile how how do we get how do we monetize people playing you know candy crush on their on their mobile phone how how can we monetize that and then not too long after mobile now you're dealing with virtual reality potentially and certainly that'll become more of a prominent opportunity and challenge for them uh, in 2016 and beyond so yeah, it'll it'll be interesting to see how the companies deal with that i'm I'm really curious to see if they are able to translate their their core franchises from p c and console to virtual reality. There's certainly a lot of potential there, but you know like we're talking about um it's a big challenge as well. It's
0: easy to think of
1: video games
0: and sort of the natural draw of c e s but slightly further away from that. Is an industry that has had a, a really growing presence over the last few years, and that's the automotive industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the big speakers, one of the featured speakers at CES in early January 2016, is Mary Barra, the CEO of General Motors. Uh, it was last year that uh, Audi made headlines because they were going to have a se- they had a self driving car drive itself from San Francisco to Las Vegas. To be on display at CES. So, so the automotive industry is, is really a big player these days. Is there anything there that uh, interests you at all as an
1: investor? Certainly, I I think the big opportunity for investors beyond the automotive companies, uh, and especially from like the rule breaker supernova perspective, we're probably not going to be going after General Motors. No, (laughs) probably not. You never know, though. Mary Barr is a
0: big deal. Let's let's. But I but I don't think anyone looks at General Motors, and this isn't a reflection on Mary But I don't think. Anyone looks at General Motors, or for that matter, Ford Motor, or any of the you know the big automakers, and think, "Ooh, there's there's cutting edge stuff right there."
1: Right. I, I think the the bigger opportunity for rule breaker type investors who are looking out at these trends over the next five years, you're just you're seeing vehicles become more and more technology driven. Like Tesla Motors is an obvious example where, you know, it's hard to differentiate between the automotive component of the car and the like tech part of the car. And even in, you know these Detroit based manufacturers are moving that direction. But I think the, the big opportunity for investors could be with um, kind of the semiconductor companies that are, are building the um, the the technology that enables these cars to become self driving or more and more automated in what they do. So, a couple of companies that we follow in Rule Breakers and Supernova, you know, Skywork Solutions um, and uh, NXP Semiconductors. These are companies that are building kind of that back end technology that's built into these. Vehicles, and certainly, you would think that transition to more and more technology-driven cars—that's a tailwind that'll benefit these companies for a long time. And they—it's already kind of a prominent part of their businesses. So, those are companies um, that I would expect. um, We'll we'll probably learn more at CES about how they're able to benefit from that trend. But I, I think those will be key companies to watch over the next few years. Any interest in drones? My my main interest in drones. My, my understanding from the fools who went last year, because we also had a group that we've had fools going for a while. Yeah. Last year, drones were also kind of a big deal. They're hyped up, and it looks like you know from looking at the different sessions and the stuff that's on the floor, looks like drones will again be pretty prominent. My main interest in drones—it's more selfish reasons. For <laughs> GoPro needs something to save itself, and it has the Karma <laughs> drone scheduled to come out in 2016. So I'm curious to see. Mainly from GoPro, I don't know if they'll even be there. I, I would expect them to be if they it, because they really need to generate a lot of excitement for this drone, because the company is struggling right now, and they need something to spur growth. So, their, their Karma drone could be something to do that, but I don't know how GoPro can differentiate their drone from the whole host of other drones that we'll see at CES. Did they give any indication when in 2016 this is going to come no, out? The first half of 2016. First half. All right. So I'll be surprised. I know uh, Nick Woodman, the founder and CEO of GoPro. He was um, at CES last year. I would be surprised and a little disappointed in the company, and maybe a little worried if they don't have some sort of presence at CES to generate buzz for their upcoming drone. Because my my perception of consumer drones is that there's not a whole lot that differentiates one from the other. So for GoPro to kind of you know, this is almost a hail mary for the company at this point. With their camera sales struggling, uh, they need the drone to do well. But how they differentiate it from the others in the marketplace—that'll that'll be interesting to see. But all in all, though, I, I don't see drones being—at least consumer drones—I don't see that being a really appealing opportunity for investors. I think the bigger opportunity, longer term, will be in commercial drones. When you're talking about package delivery. Um, uh, things like farming and other industries commercially that'll be using drones more and more. I hadn't even thought of it until you just said it, but I, I couldn't name a single
0: consumer drone. There, there is no, I mean, say what you want about how GoPro has done over the last six months or so, but that's a brand name that people can identify with. I, to your point, there isn't really a brand name out there. That's a space that
1: someone can claim there. There's a lot of potential for GoPro there, and GoPro, even though they have had a tough tail you know, back end of 2015, the company does have a powerful brand name, and uh, right right now in the drone space, probably the best known consumer drone company is DJI, and it's still you know it's a billion dollar market opportunity. Uh, so GoPro could capitalize on capitalize on it through their brand name, but again, I think they'll need something that really technically differentiates them from. You know the multitude of offerings that are already out there. I mentioned Mary Barra
0: is one of the featured speakers. There are executives from, you know, little companies like Johnson and Johnson and Intel as well. But the the featured the featured keynote speaker is Reed Hastings, the CEO at Netflix. Yep. And we talk about the battle for the living room all the time. I have to believe there are just a, a ton of companies who are going to be displaying their wares as the as they
1: try and grab some mind share of consumers. Yeah, as we're preparing to go out to CES, you know, we're we're looking at all the different sessions, the speakers, the companies that are going to be there, and content and entertainment. That's definitely toward the top of the list of like the the themes that are most prominent at CES this year. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see, uh, but there are a lot of entertainment companies, You know, Discovery Communications, they have a few speakers who will be there, obviously Reed Hastings with Netflix. But a lot of these content producers, the content distributors, the networks, they all have skin in the game, they all have a dog in the fight, uh, and it'll be interesting to see what perspectives we glean on how all that is trending. It's interesting to see how Netflix has
0: pretty methodically rolled out original content over the last couple of years and House of Cards was such a massive hit right out of the gate for them it really captured people's attention and then of course that led to the question well can they produce another hit can they you know and you look at what they've done and the way in which they've gone about it i mean it's not just the House of Cards are sort of the the more big ticket item series. It's even some of the smaller ones, certainly the Marvel series have done pretty well, but even mm. the smaller ones, the animated, sort of adult animated ones, mm. uh, BoJack Horseman, F is for Family, Bill Burr's <laughs> new series, which I have not watched yet, but I, I plan to. Did you see
1: uh, to, d- two shows that I really loved this past year? Narcos, obviously, is one of the, the top ones. Really well done. Sean. I haven't
0: watched it yet, but yeah, hear great you, things. You definitely
1: should. And then another one that I think it's lesser known on Netflix, but it's a recent original that they did is called Bloodline. It's another yes. drama, and that, I really enjoyed watching that too.
0: That's by the way. That was when the when the Emmy Award nominations came out recently. That appeared to be, to the extent that there was a dominant story coming out of the uh, Emmy Awards, it was the the fact that broadcast networks. Traditional ABC, CBS, NBC—they are almost nowhere to be found in mm-hmm. terms of producing award-winning shows. And it's not just Netflix; it's Amazon, mm-hmm. and now Hulu. Hulu producing—you yeah. know—award-nominated anyway content. It's it's really pretty staggering. Yeah, uh, I would be remiss uh, before we wrapped up if I did not mention something that Matt Argusinger and I talked about. I think it was a year ago, um, maybe two years ago. Uh, 3D printing and just how <laughs> how it was not that you know it was really in the last year or two that 3D printing companies were I mean you couldn't swing a dead cat at CES without hitting a 3D printing <laughs> company I remember when Matt Argusinger was there I think he said there were 25 different companies and and he looked at them and just sort of thought okay there's no way there is no way that the majority of you are around in the next three to five years. You'll either be acquired by someone else or you'll go out of business or something like that. Uh, it's been I, pretty accurate. <laughs> yeah, it has. And you and I were talking before we started taping. Look, 3D printing, It's it, I don't think there's anyone who's who looks at 3D printing and thinks there's no future there. It's just that the short-term future
1: is probably smaller.
0: <laughs> than the initial enthusiasm led to.
1: Yeah, especially on the consumer side of things. Like I know a couple years ago, MakerBot uh, w- was getting a lot of attention. You know, the idea that everyone's going to have a 3D printer in your home and that right was, next to your coffee maker. Right. Yeah. Right on the counter. <laughs> you know, you're going to be printing out your cups. You're going to print out the coffee. Whatever. That definitely has not panned out. I think 3D printing, the the long term potential for uh, 3D printing comes right from where 3D printing re- really started up, and that's on the industrial or commercial side. I think there you can see the opportunity for 3D printing to um, help companies become more efficient in, in the products they produce and deliver. But on the consumer side, and I think Jeff Bezos, you know, founder and CEO of Amazon, he also said, like it just doesn't make sense for everyone to have a 3D printer in your home. So, I don't think we'll we'll be seeing that. But on the industrial side, I think there still is a case for 3D printing. I know it's probably impossible to tell just from
0: the CES website and the list of who's going to be there and who's speaking and that sort of thing, but when you come back in a couple of weeks, I definitely want to know if, when you're there and you're looking around, you had that similar moment with some other industry. If you just looked around and said, Boy, there sure are a lot of drones here. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just curious what's if there, and maybe there's not. It's not like there's just like this holiday season. There's not really a hot gadget in the way that the iPad was the hot gadget a few years back, or GoPro was a couple of years ago. Yep. there's not always a huge hit coming out of CES, CES, and there's not always um, a
1: uh, an industry bubble or an industry top. But I. I am curious. A contrary <laughs> indicator. Maybe we'll have one. Yeah. I mean really the key is just figuring out is it hype or is there is there a sustainable trend developing? That that's as investors, that's obviously what we want to look at when we're looking at these emerging technologies and trends. So I'm I'm curious to see if we do have any contrary indicators, maybe uh, you know, red thumb a stock or two. All
0: right. Have fun and don't get into too much trouble, and uh, we'll, we'll do
1: our best. We'll see you back in a couple of weeks. Sounds great, thanks, Chris.
0: As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.